We're coming to the last message in our in our uh, series on Acts. Uh, we we haven't looked at the passages as um, and gone through the book as a verse by verse. We we, we recognise that we we've come to um, pick out a, a lot of key themes and and people and circumstances as we work through. Acts. It, it's pitched over about a 30-year period, the, the book of Acts. And, and the big picture, as we give a quick overview, is the, uh, it, it is the, the Great Commission that Jesus gave uh, alongside his instructions that you go out into the world and preach to God, make disciples, baptise and teach them everything I've commanded you. Teach them to obey. And in the instruction of how to do that was to start in Jerusalem and then go out from there, Judea and Samaria, and go to the ends of the earth. And we see that take place in the book of Acts as we started with Pentecost. And we've seen the two main characters if you have any idea, anyone have any idea, the two main characters of, of Acts, now is your only time to participate. <laughs> Paul and Peter. Peter, predominantly in the first half of the book, in his dealings with the Jews, and Paul, predominantly in his dealings with the rest of the world, with the Gentiles. Paul had three missionary trips where he went off in a boat and, and travelling around, reaching the ends of the earth of the known world at the time. And his third missionary trip starts in Acts 13 and it ends in the, near the end of chapter 21. And from 21 to the rest of the book is, is Paul on trial. He's accused by the Jews of desecrating the temple by bringing Greeks in and that his teaching goes against the teachings of the law. But really the Jews are just looking for an excuse to kill him. But you see there's been a shift in people's attitudes. There's been a shift in the moral compass on people's hearts. a change in the way that people know God. And this shift is from the, the, the powerful oppressors of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and, and Sadducees and the like, to a meaningful relationship, a personal relationship with their Creator. <coughs> Faith in Jesus that He has saved them from their sins that he was raised to life. There was resurrection. And so the Jews, of course, they don't like this loss of power and control. They don't like this message and they want to kill him. And in the process of beating him up, preparing to kill him, a Roman commander steps in and arrests him, 
finding out that he's a Roman citizen. And so the commander follows protocol. And so begins Paul's testimony for the rest of the book of Acts. He comes before this commander. He, uh, he, he comes before the Sanhedrin, the Jews, the Pharisees, Governor Felix, Festus and King Agrippa. And as we end the book of Acts, we find Paul in Rome where him and Peter are eventually killed. But you see, in this passage, we, we're getting to the end of these trials and the, these, uh, his defence. And we get to this guy, King Agrippa, the last of the Jewish kings. And he rules alongside or under the, the authority of Rome. He sides with Rome. And his main job really is to keep the peace. His main job is to keep the peace in that region. A bit about his background and family, and sometimes we don't necessarily like to look into our, our family lineage or, or tree and realise we've got criminals that came out a few hundred years ago to Tasmania and they're your great-great-grandfather. But anyway, that... I don't know who that could be, but here it is, this guy, King Agrippa. We, we, uh, funnily enough, Agrippa the second, and funnily enough, his father's Agrippa the first. We see him in, uh, in uh, Acts 12. He's, uh, he's mentioned there when Peter was jailed and uh, James was murdered. His great uncle there, Antipas, was, uh, was the one who had John the Baptist beheaded. His great-grandfather, Old Herod the Great, who we know was the one who wanted to have Jesus murdered when he was a baby. You see, the Roman, the, 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 Jew, the, the Roman rulers couldn't find any charge under Roman law. And, and so it was, uh, it was King Agrippa who's in search of something under Jewish law to appease the Jews, to, to make it right that we can put this guy to death. And again, Paul, in front of this Jewish man and king, gives his defence against these charges. And his testimony hasn't changed. His testimony hasn't weakened as circumstances got harder. His testimony has stayed the same. His testimony of hope. And in Acts 23, 6 and 24, 15, he speaks of the hope in the resurrection of the dead. And you look back at those verses and it causes a division when he's dealing with the Sadducees and Pharisees, these religious leaders, because the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection, but the Pharisees did. And it divided the enemy already. And he says in 26, 8, should you really find it incredible that God raises the dead? And here in chapter 26, 6 and 7, my hope is in God. My hope is in God and what God promised, the prophets and Abraham and Isaac and Joseph. I was a persecutor of such people before Jesus told me on the road to Damascus, why are you persecuting me? I've chosen you, Paul, to take the good news to the ends of the world, that people may receive forgiveness of their sins and be changed 
through faith in God. What I'm saying is nothing new, Paul says. Nothing new. In verse 22, Moses said this would happen, that the Christ would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead, that we would proclaim light to his own people and to Gentiles. Your hope for the Christian and Paul's hope and our hope is a confident expectation based on the promises of God. A confident expectation based on the promises of God. We often align hope with wishful thinking that our hope of our team winning or I hope to receive five of these ten Christmas wish lift presents. Uh, When I was a a child, uh, I wanted to be a professional whistler when I grew up. I've still got it. I haven't lost it. I feel like it's this amazing gift. I was um, devastated when I realised that A, I was probably not amazingly good at whistling, but it's actually not an option. Like, there's no paid option. In no circumstances has a whistler ever been paid, um, or paid well, for that matter. CNN ran a poll at the end of last year on what people were hoping for in 2023. More than 75% of the responses of what people hoped would happen in 2023 had to do with uh, physical and, and mental illness and disabilities being taken away or alleviated. Very appropriate things to desire to be taken away. Very appropriate. But on what basis, on what foundation is that hope? Is there a confident expectation? Or is it wishful thinking in the year or perhaps even just the months leading up to Paul's arrest in Jerusalem on his third missionary tour he writes a letter to the church in Rome funnily enough it's called Romans and uh, in chapter 5 and we heard verse 8 read but I just want to read a few verses before it therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access lost my spot I'm sorry through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. 
and hope it doesn't disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been made right with God through faith in Jesus, we are no longer seen as guilty sinners. Redeemed people, bought at a cost. And the cost was the life of Jesus. There is this new identity, a new position before God when we make a decision by faith to say, I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe in his death at the cross, that that is the price that has been paid for my sin. And this hope that we have will not disappoint us because it's not wishful thinking that my sins are forgiven. It's not wishful thinking that my place in eternity is secure It's not wishful thinking that my life can be transformed through the Holy Spirit. It's not wishful thinking. It's a confident expectation based on the promises and the Word of God. Paul goes on to say, I won't turn to it now, but he goes on to say, just as sin entered the world through one man, so the gift comes through one man, Jesus. And just as we have been separated, so we are brought together. Just as death has reigned through one man, how much more will those who receive God's grace, the gift will reign with Jesus. And he goes on in, later in chapter 6, the wages, the penalty of sin is death. Oh, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If I was to tell you this morning that you're all going to receive a new car today, you would have been glad you didn't sit up on the couch and then watch it on the live stream, I reckon. If you physically came here today... Everyone's going to receive a new car. It might take 18 months to get here, but <clears throat> eventually you'll get one. You think I'm out of my mind. You're probably thinking I know roughly what you're worth, Josh. You don't have that sort of money. <laughs> You'd be right. But if Oprah was here and Oprah told you, everyone that's here gets a brand new car today well then your expectations probably go up a bit from what josh was telling me oprah actually does that sort of thing if you ever get over to the states get in the audience these words are not merely made up by man 
These promises are not just wishful thinking. This Word of God gives us every confidence and ex- in the expectation that God will deliver on His Word, on His promises. That is the hope Paul has. As his life was in danger, that's what he shared. This is the hope I live with. What is your hope this morning? What is your hope? Where is your hope? Life is difficult, isn't it? And maybe someone else has got it harder than you, but for your journey, for where you are at today, life is difficult. It can be hard. It's, there's ups and downs in 2023 and beyond. Where is our hope for this life? Where is our hope for eternity? Do do you live with a confident expectation for this life and for beyond this life? Or is it all up in the air a bit and it's a bit of a perhaps maybe wishful thinking? We are all born under the curse of sin. We heard this morning we have been separated from God because of sin. But there is a confident expectation you can have this morning that through faith in Jesus, there is a hope for forgiveness. There is hope for a relationship with your Creator. There is hope to know of what is to come confidently expect to be in the presence of your saviour beyond this life do you have this hope today back to Acts 26 Paul's hope he hasn't wavered he hasn't changed doesn't matter who is from chapter 21 on, who he's testifying to, his defence, his hope hasn't changed. Verse 22, I have God's help to this very day, so I stand here and testify to small and great. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. And as he shares his hope, What's the response? Festus and King Agrippa say, well, Festus firstly says, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Your great learning, it's driving you insane. Agrippa then goes on to say, do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? They reject the hope. They reject the hope that Paul has. Paul's response 
is very gracious and kind. Short term or long, I pray that God, that not only you, King Agrippa, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, may become Christians, may become people that have faith in Jesus, may become people that live with a hope, a confident expectation of what Jesus will do in my life. God's call on our lives, on Paul's life as he realises individually and as the church is, is not to save people. I hope that has come through clearly in this series on Acts. Our job isn't to go save people, but it's to tell people of our hope. It's to tell people of the good news. God will save. God will powerfully work. God will draw people to himself. But may it be known through our testimony, in our, in our words and our actions... That Jesus died for our sins. That he rose again to life. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 3. When considering what are we responsible for? 1 Peter 3.13 Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer... For what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Don't fear people for what they might do or say. This new movement that Jesus started it is in motion and it's not in motion just in Jerusalem but to the ends of the known world. People are called to set apart Christ as Lord. People are being called out of living in worshipping idols, in, in, in living in immoral lifestyles. People's lives have been transformed from drunkenness and self-centeredness and all sorts of self-gratification living to set Christ as Lord of our life. You see, it's not adding Jesus to what we were doing. The, the call in Acts and in the New Testament church and for us today has never been have faith in Jesus, continue what you were doing and just add Jesus to your life. No.
It's not adding Jesus. It's a complete change in the way that we live. It's a complete change in the way that we think, in our priorities, in our attitudes. And as you live this transformed, changed life, it will stand out in your community. People will hear, people will see and they'll ask, are you prepared to give an answer? What is it? Why aren't you worshipping these idols? Hey, this city, we are known for our, our orgies at the temple. Why have you stopped joining in? Why does that church and Mayona Road, why do they care about our family so much? Why are they doing this time of, of, of wanting to welcome everyone in? How can you turn from someone who has unjustly just hurt you? How can you not yell and scream and give it right back to them? Why do you invest so much of your life into the church? Why are you giving to God? These are the things that are going to provoke people to ask. As the reality of the hope we have in Christ becomes a reality to the lives of those around us. People will ask. Peter says, are you prepared to give an answer? Not, not a theological, hey, you've got to know all the, all the Greek terminology. Not, no, not the technical response. Have, are you prepared to give an authentic genuine response hey this is this is why i do what i do this is what i believe this is what has happened in my life giving a reason it's the same word uh here in one peter to be prepared to give an answer a reason a defence, the same word is used by, in the end of Acts with the words of, of Paul giving his testimony, his defence about the hope he has. Two quick points as we finish up about this is that it's not just words. But what are people seeing in your life? Words can be easy to spurt out at certain times but if it doesn't marry up with the way that I then live and treat people will it attract will it attract a question of hey why do you do that hey why do you live that way why do you preach this why do you say that Will others see Jesus and question why the hope? 
be ready, be prepared. You know, we're not usually uh, forewarned when someone is going to say, hey, why do you live this way? We don't usually get a, a week's notice. So Peter says, be ready now. Be ready now. Be prepared. What is authentic? What is real? What is genuine in your life? Your faith in God. Be prepared just to give that as an answer. You don't have to dress it up. You don't have to make it extra special. God is at work. God is powerful. The gospel, the message, the good news is powerful. You don't have to make it powerful. You just need to present your answer, your defence of your hope. On Tuesday playgroup, I was walking out of the, into the foyer area. Nearing the end of playgroup time, I was just coming out to go to the toilet. I didn't make it. Not in a bad way, like I didn't make it. No, sorry, that's not quite there yet. Um, a grandparent was sitting in the chair here. Uh, we've spoken before, so I sat down with him and just talked, chatting about the week, what he's been up to. And uh, I wasn't expecting it today, that day or this time, but he spoke about the winter family night and he just asked me two questions in a row. Why did you do it? And what do you believe? And I was glad I was preparing this message, you know, because being prepared to give an answer was already on my mind. (laughs) And I loved that opportunity just to tell him, hey, we're about just being a blessing to one another and to our community. We care about our playgroup families, our kids' club families, not just at playgroup and kids' club but throughout the rest of the year as well. And I got to share him because our priorities, we want to see people be blessed and feel like they belong here, but most importantly that they can believe because I said, Chris, this place is a... We are all about just telling people about Jesus that they might believe and be forgiven of their sins. There's been a few questions that have rattled through my head this week that I just want to leave with you um, and maybe they'll rattle in your head. But where is your hope this morning? There are thousands of things to, maybe millions of things to put hope in. Things that are in this world that, that bring little bursts of happiness, little moments of joy, things that seem to be soothing to the soul, things that are popular for this time in this culture, but nothing compares to Jesus. If our hope for security and for purpose is in the things of this world that are man-made, they tend to be caught up in wishful thinking. 
they don't come with any great confident expectation. Do you have that confident expectation that Jesus is your Saviour and Lord? Is that your hope this morning? Do you have the confident expectation of where you will spend eternity? That is a hope that we can live with and that hope is only found in Jesus. As we wrap things up today, I just wanted to prayerfully consider these words. Um, Maybe you want to close your eyes and just take them in and consider who and where you are before God. At the end of Jude, he writes these words, To him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Thanks, Andy.